0: to Happily Ever After is Real, interviews and conversations with women created to share wisdom, strength, joy, and inspiration
1: for finding true love in a busy and constantly changing world. Happily Ever After is Real is a Be More You production. You can follow us on Facebook or visit us online at BeMoreYou.co. I'm Trisha Bennett. On behalf of myself and all of our guests, welcome and enjoy.
0: So welcome listeners, you're in for a serious treat today, a wonderful love story and lots of wisdom. I would like to welcome Lori Bartlett, newlywed married celebrity guest. And the way we say it around here is when you're married, that's celebrity enough. So welcome, Lori, and I'm also welcoming uh, Toby, who's Lori's 17-pound cat, who you will hear purring throughout our conversation. So welcome, Lori, and thank you so much for being here. You are so welcome. I'm so honored that you want to hear what I have to say.
1: I Honestly, I can't wait.
0: <laughs> You're so cute.
1: <laughs> so, well, you were one of the
2: key players in get, getting me where I am, so thank you.
1: That's so great to hear. So start wherever you like.
2: Okay. Well, actually, I I do like the idea of starting with how I met you because it's just such an important part of my path. And the way that I heard your name the first time was actually through a, a best friend of mine who was my maid of honor in this recent wedding that I had. And the I kept hearing your name come up in conversation, and I said, who is this woman? And she said, oh, she's on the vineyard, and I thought, oh, my gosh, she's, she's my neighbor <laughs> from Cape Cod. She's on the vineyard. And so she actually told me about the Happily Ever After workshop, mm. and at that time, I had been single for a long time. I was a divorced woman who was looking for a good man, uh, unsuccessfully at that time. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the other thing I was looking for were women who were around my same age and my similar situation because Mm -hmm. I was living in an area that was a big retirement community. Mm -hmm. So I was having trouble finding men to date and I was having trouble finding women to help to get me to where I wanted to be and to support me. So when I heard about Happily Ever After, I heard that it was led by a woman who was successfully and happily married and that the women who attended it were seriously on a path for either finding uh, true love or connecting with good women and all of which I wanted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when I went to the workshop, I I met a lot of wonderful women and I learned about some homework that I could do (laughs) and I was... Inspired by your story, Tricia, how you had found a wonderful man, and and also I identified with some of the things you had gone through before. You know, when you were young and and growing up, and as a young adult, and so I I felt that you were a good mentor, mm. and I, I loved knowing that I could be with other women on a similar path. And I do want to emphasize that one of the things that I tended to do when I was single was to hang around with women who were also single and just sort of bash men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is before I did the workshop, let me be clear. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. That that did not get me anywhere. All that got me was to be more sad about my state of affairs and also to feel more hopeless that, I was not going to change because that went on for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So I felt that it was important to be with the type of women that would help coach me to get out of that situation and find a really good quality man.
1: Mm. So I I really like that example that you gave of spending time with women that just sat around and bashed men. And I don't want to Put down those women in any way because most of us have had really bad experiences and mm-hmm. we have plenty to say about how men can be at their worst the problem is, is that we get stuck in a trap and we don't know how to get out of it and we're in that trap where all we can do is talk about the bad things that have happened and we actually don't know how to look for someone who wouldn't treat us that way.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's easy to get into a pattern or a perpetuating cycle of what I used to call attracting the wrong type of man. Mm -hmm. And my first husband was an example of that. I got married super young to a man who had four children. We met when I was 22. Uh, He had a substance problem and... It was just bad news. And so, of course, we ended up divorced. And it took me years, really years, until I met my husband and another few years before I was really ready to be with him. I knew yes. him for years before we, before we got married and before I was ready to be so married.
1: You married first when you were 22. Yes. And how long, did, how long was that marriage?
2: I actually stayed with him for seven years. It was, yeah, it wasn't a happy seven years. I mm-hmm. chose someone who wasn't doing well financially, who had big child support payments. I ended up being the breadwinner of the family. Eventually, I lost respect for him, mm-hmm. which is devastating. Yeah. Um, and so that ended up in a really tough divorce, and it was not a quiet or civil divorce, and I lost a lot, both emotionally and
1: financially,
2: going through yeah. that. It was very difficult.
1: And so then how long were you single and dating between that marriage and meeting your current husband?
2: Oh, my goodness, so many years. It was, it was actually 1995 when we finalized our divorce. It took three years. It was 92 we separated. So, so 20 um, years. Yeah, <laughs>
1: 20 years of being single and dating.
2: And let me tell you, Tricia, I was one of those people who thought I would have another man within a year and probably be married within two years because, yeah. hey, I always knew boyfriends when I was young, so what the heck, it would be easy, I thought.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so not true.
1: It's just so, it, it's just so good to, to sort of put all these details in so that women who are listening don't feel alone and can relate.
2: Exactly. That it's
1: sometimes decades that it takes to, to get us where we need to be knowing what we need to know and loving ourselves enough to choose the right kind of person. But hopefully, after listening to someone like you share your story, it will take other women a lot less time.
2: Right. and And I would also add, speaking of time, it's... It's important to take your time when you meet this man because, as I said, I was with my husband. I knew my husband first for years, and I had not identified him as the one. And interestingly, it was the women around me who could see that he was the one for me. They said it was obvious.
1: (laughs) Wow. Uh I
2: didn't see it. And part of that was because at that time, he was doing his recreational dating post-divorce, and I'm really happy that he took that time to to do his dating and deciding what he wanted in his mind, and also healing from his divorce, Mm -hmm. and both of us healing from our respective divorces and doing what we needed to do to get ready, and even when we did start dating, we took our time, and I think that was amazing. I had never done that before. I kind of let myself get involved too quickly or let the man pressure me into getting involved too quickly. And Mm -hmm. as I know you know, if we jump into intimacy before we're ready, our thinking gets cloudy, our judgment gets cloudy. And for he and I, you know, we had all those important discussions about what did we want? What were we looking for? And we both knew that we wanted to find the person that we were going to spend the rest of our lives with and that we had done our dating and we're finished with that. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we really took things very, very slow and did not get intimate for a while. And that way I could interview him. I could look at his qualities. I could look at how he showed up in my life how he was there for me when I needed someone. And when a man does that, when you're not physically involved with him, that's a good way of knowing that <laughs> he's going to show up for you. He's going to continue to show up for you yeah. when time's
1: tough. Right. So you mentioned a little while ago some of the homework. Can you remember anything that you did after you did the workshop that sort of prepared you to be ready to meet your husband?
2: Yes, I can. I remember um, making sure that I was out there and dating, and one of the things that I did was have women help me to create a good Internet profile so that I could just get experience with meeting different men without having really an agenda, but kind of learning how to date, um, learning how to be, learning how to present myself. And I would say one of the really, really important things that I did that was a a pretty direct result of the workshop is I found women, instead of just hanging around with those single women that I could (laughs) uh, complain with, I found a different type of women. I found women who had what I wanted, who were on the same path that I was on. Mm -hmm. And I found women that were happily married. And I asked them to be my mentors. And that was very different from how I was before. Uh, Before I just wanted to hang out with other single women who were dating like I was. And as I said, that that got me nowhere. So to actually take a risk and that was hard for me to ask people for help and to listen even harder to listen to what they said yeah um, it's not always easy to take advice from married women but yeah. what I found was when I did it worked
1: it's like yeah. oh okay that makes so much like sense kind of like magic
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's not instinctive to or it wasn't instinctive to me I should speak for myself yeah I needed to hear that from someone like you who had, who had walked the walk. It wasn't easy or instinctive for me initially, um, yeah. but it is simple. You know that phrase, it's, it's simple but it's not easy. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and I think that women today, especially women who are late 30s, 40s, 50s, that age group, have been successful enough in most areas of their lives that we actually think we know what we're doing. And so it's hard to take instruction because we're used to being right. Right. And we're used to thinking that we know how to do things and we know what's best for us. And so to have someone start to tell you what to do and how to do it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people.
2: Agreed. Agreed. And I would say another thing that I did that was extremely helpful is I reviewed the workshop um, many years after... Initially taking Happily Ever After. I, I can't remember how many years, but a lot of years after uh-huh. I reviewed the workshop. And I, at that time I was dating the man that I'm now married to. And when I first came, I, I remember feeling just a little bit lonely and thinking, I want to be around women. I want to be around some good women. And so you were holding the workshop in the Boston area, and I remember writing to you and saying, I'm interested, can I come back and take it again? And you said, of course, (laughs) we -hmm. would love to have you And, and, you know, it was great to come back because I felt so comfortable. Even though the women attending were, you know, many of them were new to me, which also was a bonus because I was increasing my circle of women that I Mm -hmm. communicate with. And seeing you again, who I automatically felt comfortable with, and other people that help you to support the workshop, I remember very specifically, because I was dating the man that I'm now married to, I came with questions already that I had. And I remember talking to you, and one of the conversations we had was, beware the man who can't afford the pizza who takes you out. Uh If he can't can't afford afford a pizza, pizza.
1: he can't afford (laughs) a family. (laughs) I remember that
2: so well because that was one of my fears because my ex-husband couldn't afford the pizza, basically, and I married him anyway because I was in love. And so what I learned from that was about self-esteem and Mm. um, learning how, how to treat myself so that I would attract the type of man who would treat me in the way that I deserve to be treated. And my current husband treats me like a queen. He absolutely treats me like a queen. And I'll tell you one just adorable little example was a year ago I lost my job in a a corporate merger and I had never been unemployed before since I was eight years old so I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. And at that time we were engaged and his chest puffed out about four inches and he said, now I get to show up big. Now I really get to take care of you. Mm. And I was so amazed. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, this is my hero. And I laughed at the time. I said, could you at least be a little bit sad that I lost my job? And Mm. he said, do you know how hard you are to take care of?
0: Yeah. And so,
2: yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, after being single for how many years did we just say, 20 years, Mm -hmm. I had learned to be 100% independent. And I didn't have an attitude about it. It wasn't like, oh, I don't need a man. You know, I didn't feel that way. But it was just ingrained that and I... And you I literally
1: couldn't. did not need anything. Mm-hmm.
2: Nope. And so now I... There was no I in for him. Right. Yeah. Right. And now I actually let men take care of me. And even if it's a little thing like letting a stranger hold the door for you, mm-hmm. I say, thank you so much. Or I'm so glad Chivalry's is not dead. You know, or just something yeah. fun. And, and then the yeah. big smile comes across their face. Yep. It's really nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, men don't have many opportunities to be heroes these days.
2: Right, exactly. Because so, women are
1: so self-sufficient. Yes. One of the biggest things I had to learn from my married mentors on my journey was to allow men to do things for me, to make room for men to do things for me, like hold a door or carry something for me, where I would normally do all those things myself. I had to actually learn to pause to allow someone to step up and offer something. And when I could see what a gift it was to create that opportunity, I really enjoyed doing it. Because I like the opportunity to make a difference for people.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. And I would say, too, speaking of married mentors, just having those women in my life, not only when I was dating, but also getting ready for my marriage. I had a team of women who helped me get ready. Mm -hmm. And these are the type of women that I met in your workshop who who are on a path and or happily married. They have been instrumental in not only getting married, but staying married. Because yeah. now I have people that I can go to and dump out the emotional stuff, <laughs> yeah. get, it, get it out of my system and not bring it home to him. Yeah. And I love that. I, love, I did not have women in my life before I attended your workshop. I did not. I had sort of pseudo friends that I maybe met and went to a movie with or met to bash men with. But I didn't really have women who would support me that I could trust that would listen to me and let me cry on their shoulder and help me be married.
0: And you have to
1: really look for those women. And like you said, it's a risk. You know, it's like, what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have what it takes? What if they don't like me? Right. One of the reasons that we started this podcast is because so many women came to the workshops over the years and would say when I would get to the point where I would say you need to have married mentors, you need to start looking for happily, successfully married women in your life, people would say, I don't know any. Wow. And they actually weren't kidding. In their circle of friends, they didn't know anyone who was happily married. And so I would say, well, then you need to start looking because I guarantee you there are women around you that are happily married. You just don't know them yet. It might be somebody at work. It might be a woman who waits on you at the bank. There are women in your life who are happily married. You're just not seeing them because you're not looking. Right. But for the women who really didn't know women who were happily successfully married, we started interviewing people and posting them on this podcast so people could hear what it sounds like. Wow. And what it took to get there. Fantastic.
2: And it's funny, sometimes I meet people who are not married who challenge me and us and say, why did you get married? Why would you get married? There's, there's no difference. You're, you're not going to have children together because we're older. We're both in our 50s. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? And to me, it's, there's a huge difference between being single and being married. Mm-hmm. and or living together and being married and we didn't actually live together until we were engaged and getting married and it was just because our jobs put us in the same area so it was convenient, but I did not want to live with the man before being engaged to him. And, and I mean really engaged and planning a day, setting a date, not, yes. not engaged. With not rare ring engaged. Ring.
1: <laughs> Terminally engaged. Yeah.
2: Right. And so a lot of people will will challenge and ask, well, what is the difference? Because I don't see the difference. And, and to me, there's a huge difference. And it's yeah. funny because I, I got to ask him if, if he felt that way too. We were asked together by a couple on our honeymoon, which was just a month ago, oh. a couple in the 60s who were living together we don't understand why you got married and I said well I felt the difference immediately because he's there for me and it's like the example I just gave you when I lost my job last year he was just right there he had my back I can come home every night to someone who I know has my back who I know is sounds corny but is going to grow old with me and there's a subtle shift like one thing I noticed right off the bat is we didn't argue about petty stuff anymore and it was just this sudden, like, flipping a switch. We got yeah. married, and then it's like, oh, don't sweat the small stuff. We're in this together. I- I'm not going to pick an argument with him about something stupid because we're going to be together the rest of our life.
1: Yeah. A friend of mine who's been married now for 45 or 50 years to me when I got engaged, he said, and it was so cute, it still is really moving to me, he said, wait till you're married. There's nothing like it. And right after I got married, he was at our reception and he came up to me and he just winked at me and he said, it's different, isn't it?
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it showed me how much he still loved and cherished his wife after 45 years of marriage and how it is different to say that you're going to be with someone until death do you part. It's a different kind of a commitment that you know that no matter what happens, you're in it. You're not in it until you're uncomfortable or you don't feel like it or until it gets too hard. You're in it. Right, right. And I think that a lot of people don't believe that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Why would you set yourself up for that nightmare again? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get it when people say, why would you do that to yourself? And it's like, well, whatever you're thinking, I wouldn't do that to myself. <laughs>
0: Right. I wouldn't
1: do and that to myself. That's why I want to be married is for these reasons. What happened with the 60-year-old couple?
2: It's funny because they, they had both been married before. They both had adult children and they met online and they hit it off and they started living together. And with the intensity that they asked the question and argued, it just gave me the sense that, that maybe they weren't 100% happy with the situation that they were in. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I learned from my married mentors was to get very, very clear about what I wanted, which is why the, the sort of recreational dating is important. Yeah. And they taught me how to write a vision. And I didn't know how to write a vision. I thought a vision was just, you know, blah, blah. When I get older, I want to live in a nice house with, you know, with a beach right. and blah, blah, blah and have a pet. And I hadn't really, really done the work. And as I was starting to plan my wedding... Uh, One of my mentors said to me, what's your vision for the wedding day? And then she stopped herself and said, no, wait, have you done a vision for your marriage first? Mm. And I hadn't. I had written a vision for my life sort of years before, but not specific vision for my marriage to this man. Mm. And I did that, and she helped me with it. And I I read it to her, and and I actually got teary-eyed. It was that good. <laughs> so once I completed that and she, she gave me a pass, then I went on to write a vision for my wedding day. And it was the most beautiful thing. I, I read it to him the day of our wedding before, before I got married. I did wow. let him see me before I started to get ready. We went down to the beach and stood knee-deep in the water looking towards the vineyard, and I read him my vision for our wedding day, and we both completely teared up. <laughs> it was beautiful. Wow. So those women helped me to get clear on what I wanted. And once I got clear on what I wanted, we manifested it. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it's wonderful.
1: Yeah. Yep, visions are so powerful. And the way that I describe it is that women write them and men step into them.
2: Mm. I remember questioning whether or not I should share it with him because I was so used to doing things with women and, and not really talking to him about it in detail because I was doing my homework and getting ready. And and then I asked the woman who was mentoring me, one of the women, whether I should share it with him. And she said, absolutely, because he's going to hold it with you. And so I asked him the same question. I said, would you like me to share this with you? Would you like me to share this with you? And he said, oh my gosh, yes, how will I help you hold the vision if I don't know what it is? (laughs) Yeah. So it's powerful stuff, and it works.
1: This seems like a really perfect segue to ask you how you met him. And I know that you said initially that your friends could see it before you could. So do you want to kind of go back a little bit and tell that part of the story? Yeah, so we
2: actually met volunteering together, and I remember noticing him and saying, oh, he's, you know, he's pretty handsome, and he seems like a nice man, and as I said quickly after we started working together, a woman elbowed me when he was nearby and pointed at him, like, what about him, (laughs) and I thought, yeah, he's, you know, he's pretty good looking, and he seems nice, he's a little bit shy, but he seems like a, a good person, and And then I noticed another woman did something similar, kind of pointed at him and said, seems like you two would make a nice couple. And so we flirted a little bit, but then he kind of seemed distant. It was kind of, I felt like he was giving me some mixed signals. He would flirt and then kind of go on his merry way. And so I started to feel a little bit frustrated. And in hindsight, what it was is he wasn't ready yet for a committed relationship. He was starting to date multiple women, but he didn't want to date a woman that he was working with. In this case, we were volunteering together. So he was kind of practicing and flirting, and I got frustrated with that because here are these women telling me, this is your man, but then the man is giving me mixed signals. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And so I kind of let go of the idea that he was my man, but I continued to work with him, and... I noticed that he was just a stand-up guy, you know, good guy who did his work. He was committed. He was showing up. He just seemed like a good man. So I continued to sort of work side by side with him over the years. And I was doing my dating. He was doing his dating. And we had both separately come to the conclusion that we'd done our work and we were kind of ready to find the one. And then when I saw him at the next event, there was a shift. And the other thing I will just say is I showed up at that particular event just to volunteer, and I didn't have an agenda. I didn't go there to find a man, and that was a big thing because he noticed that, and he said something to me like, you're different somehow, and it was one of those things I thought, is that a compliment or, or an insult? <laughs>
1: I'm not sure yeah, right. What exactly does he mean by that?
2: Yeah, and it really took me some reflection to, to understand that I didn't have an agenda, and he could feel that somehow in my energy that Mm -hmm. I was just there to to volunteer, to be with some good women, and to meet some men, but not in the sense of of dating, just kind of showing up. And from that event forward, we've been together. (laughs) And uh, we didn't get married right away, and we took our time, and it was really, uh, I think, another... Um, four years before we got engaged, and then um, another year after that before we got married. Wow. So you said you were
1: volunteering side-by-side for years? Yes. (laughs) Like how many years? years?
2: Uh, I think I initially met him in 2007, and we started dating in
1: 2012. Wow. So you knew him a long time. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Mm-hmm. It was
2: great because I trusted him 200%. Mm-hmm. I trusted him fully. I knew he was a really good person. Yeah. And any initial doubts that I might have had about him as a partner, I had resolved those doubts before we started dating. Yeah. So when I interviewed him, it was more an opportunity to find out if he was looking for the same things that I was, because I knew I wanted to get married. And I thought, well, what are the chances that a man who's already been married, already had children, is going to want to get married again?
1: Yeah.
2: So it gave me an opportunity to get very clear on what I wanted. Yeah. And, and I knew him so well that the interviewing just, just flowed. It
0: that was easy. That is so
1: great. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The thing that yeah. I really like about your story that I know women right now who are involved in this process who work with lots of men and have worked with lots of men for years. And it they know these men like they know family members. So mm-hmm. it's just an interesting thing to think about that sometimes your partner is – Like you said, working right alongside of you. And it either doesn't occur to you or the timing isn't right for years.
2: Right. Yeah, and and not to lose hope.
1: (laughs) Right. Not to think that you have to look really far away always to find the right person.
2: Right. I found even where I live on Cape Cod, I could join hiking clubs and skiing clubs and running clubs and meet people doing things that I loved. And those those three activities are sort of male-heavy in terms of male-to-female ratio. Yeah. (laughs) And those those provided me lots of opportunity just kind of right in my backyard to meet men that were active and healthy. You know, they weren't out drinking a lot because they had to get up in the morning to either run or hike or ski. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. What do you want single women to have that they don't have now?
2: For me, it's the first thing is that shift that happens on day one, or even day zero when you're at the altar, that shift is a huge gift. And what I mean by that is the level of commitment goes up. It raises the bar. Hmm. Being married, having that ring on your finger is a commitment like no other. And the security that comes with that, and I'm not just talking about financial security like the example where I lost my job, but kind of an emotional security, just knowing someone always has your back. Mm
0: -hmm. That's
2: a huge gift. And I don't think that people have to have 100% in common. Sometimes people think that when they're dating. Oh, we have have so much in common or we don't have anything in common. Because he and I had a lot that, wasn't in common in terms of our hobbies and our lifestyle and I remember planning the wedding I had so many wonderful surprises of oh he likes this and he likes that and we started talking about our honeymoon you know I'm a city person he's a country person what are we going to do for our honeymoon and we found out we both loved international travel we both love going places that we would never been before so I guess there's a kind of a gift of discovery. You know, you can mm-hmm. know someone for years and years and years and not realize that you have some similar likes that aren't obvious on the surface. So, yeah,
1: that's really you, neat. I love that yeah. gift of discovery.
2: Yeah, and that, that, that gift keeps giving. <laughs> we keep, every time we do something new or, or even just going in, visit his family and playing with a new grandchild you know he's he's a grandfather he was grandfather at a fairly young age and so we have these little babies in our lives and he looks over at me holding a baby and his face just lights up um and i didn't realize you know not having had children with someone that there are other ways that we can bring children in our life. Because that was a big thing for me too. When I was dating, I wanted to find a man that would have a biological child for me. Mm. And I ended up giving up that dream as time passed and redefining what family was to me. Yeah. So a huge gift for me in this marriage is getting a family because my biological family kind of broke up because of addiction and other mental illnesses and so for me, having a family was just very, very important. So I took his last name, even though we're not having children, and yeah. I go with him to visit his elderly mom and his children and his grandchildren. And it's just, yeah. that to me is just awesome with a capital A. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's so sweet that you said that, you know, you don't have to have biological children to create a family. And it is a gift. Yeah.
2: Right, right, and that was something that doing my visioning helped a lot with as well. Because I I went through a long period of feeling de- very depressed that I didn't have a biological child. I was really yeah. really upset about it, and it took a lot of work and a lot of time spent talking with women and and doing that visioning that I got very very clear that I could redefine family. It didn't have to be what I had thought all those years that yeah. I had to have a child to have a family. I had to. Right. There's no other way. Yeah. And as soon as I redefined what a family meant to me,
1: he showed up. He was right there. He was already in my life. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. There's a woman who passed away probably 15 years ago who used to live on the island. And my favorite quote of hers was, If you're paying attention in life, you'll almost always find you get a second chance at everything. Mm, That's beautiful. Isn't that amazing?
2: Yeah, it's really, really cool. And I think, um, you know, being able to give other people hope that they can still find their partner at any age
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: any circumstance pretty much, it's It's a beautiful thing.
1: I agree. What is your best advice for keeping a woman's dreams alive around finding love and a happy, healthy marriage? What's
2: her homework? Mm. What's her homework? I would say her homework is to find women she can trust, ask for help, be willing to listen Do whatever work it takes for her to get into high self-esteem. And that's confidence. Men are so attracted to a confident woman who is in high self-esteem. And just to keep, stay open. Oh, and here's a big one. Don't insist on dating the type of man that you think is your quote-unquote type. Because my husband, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, and I think I heard it in your workshop as well, he's not someone I would have dated when I was young. I would have just thought he was too nerdy, too silly, tells bad jokes.
1: <laughs> right, right. Oh, really? So Mine not, too. <laughs>
2: so not yeah. to hold on to any preconceived notions of what her type is or yeah. you know what she wants in a man without getting clear and working with other women doing that. That would be my advice.
1: Awesome. Mm. That's pretty complete. Yay. (laughs) Is there anything else that you'd like to add or share or that you would like women to know?
2: I've probably said this many times in different wording, but... Going to these workshops that, that you have with Be More You, with Happily Ever After, and the, doing the homework is so important. So I would say um, let go of any fear that you might have of putting yourself out there and listening to advice. Just let go of any fear, because the rewards are magnificent, and you won't be sorry.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, Lori, for being with us today. That was truly an incredible story and such great wisdom that you shared. If you like what you've heard, listeners, please tell a friend to listen as well so that they can gain the same wisdom that you've received today.
1: Until next time, I'm
0: Trisha Bennett. From all of us at Happily Ever After is Real, thank you for listening, and we wish you love.